Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey, and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Nigel Risner, who is a motivational speaker, TV presenter, coach, and author of The Impact Code. So Nigel, hello, and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Good afternoon to you. How are you doing, my friend? Very good, thank you. And just for everyone's reference, whereabouts in the world are you right now? Today in North London, near, near Barnet Elstree, film studios, that's where we are. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm just going to just share a little bit more about you before we do get started. So Nigel has also licensed his zookeeper model all over the world, which is now enabling millions of people to communicate more effectively. And finally, he is the only motivational speaker to have been awarded Speaker of the Year from all three CEO groups. So Nigel, my first question, just because I'm really intrigued, what is the zookeeper model and why do you think it's so impactful when it comes to communicating? Okay, so this, that's a brilliant question to start with. So for speakers who are beginning their journey, they're going to hear lots of things about professional speaking and styles of communication. And they're going to hear things like Myers-Briggs, Belbin, Disc yep. Insight, Colorworks. And a lot of speakers, they, you know, they want to have this model. They want to have this big idea. If you can formulate your own idea, then you become the director of your own life. And what happened was, Everyone I spoke to was talking about all these wonderful schemes. And I used to challenge audiences to say, well, bear in mind, I've been speaking for like a half an hour an hour. What's my style? And mm. they go, well, I can tell you my style, but I don't know yours. And I then said, well, then you've wasted your money. Because unless you talk to yourself, it doesn't matter who you are. You need to know who your audience is. Yeah. And if you're a professional speaker or you're a wannabe speaker, you need to know who your audience is. So I came up with an idea which I got from working at Whipsnade Zoo at the time, <laughs> that everyone you're dealing with is a different animal type. And your job is to become an effective zookeeper. And the yeah. job of a zookeeper, which is only to professional speaking, is to feed the food the animals you're dealing with want, not the food that you've got. Now, I don't drink alcohol. So someone giving me a present of a fantastic bottle of champagne or a whiskey that's a 1932 Glen Morang is brilliant if you drink whiskey. I don't. If you give me Cadbury's chocolate, which I'm a big fan of. I can see that. See, yeah. <laughs> then I'm going to be able to be a happy person and I'm going to adapt to the style. So I came up with a zookeeping principle that you've got different animals and I'm a classic monkey. You know, I've got I've got not much common sense. I'm a bit all over the place, as you're going to find in this interview, but I'm very creative, which means I don't want to know questions in advance. So if anyone who's listening to this, I haven't been sent any questions. Then you've got structured people who are elephants that would hate this style of interview unless they had 700 questions in advance and they'd done research. And they're people in an audience that know more information than you do. Then yeah. you've got the HR directors and you've got uh, the nurses and support and care workers who are what I call dolphins. And then you've got the CEOs, chief execs, people who are fast, furious people who are lions. Now, if you imagine you are dealing with those type of animals in your audience, so forget this idea, imagine them naked. That's not going to help you no. at all, trust me. But that's one of those little things. Just imagine they're naked and that will help you speak. It won't. 
But if you imagine you had this zoo of animals in front of you and you had a collection of food, you wouldn't give just one food to all the animals. So sharing a story with lots of facts and deep understanding and how knowledgeable you are is only going to work for the elephants. Yeah. Someone like me, I'm going to be bored in about eight seconds. Now I'm eating sweets. I'm rustling my papers. I'm now squiggling, doing notes. And I'm talking to the person next to me. And you've lost my attention. If you do funny jokes and you do, and I do some great videos. I've got some, I look, and I, I do some funny jokes. But if I did it for too long, I'd lose 50% of the audience who'd think I wasn't serious. If I did too many personal stories about my wonderful wife and my son who's got mild cerebral palsy and, you know, the traumas of the world, then the dolphins would love it, but I'd lose the other three animals. So your job as a speaker, whether you're a newbie or you're experienced or you want to start earning money, is to think, who's in my audience? And you may not know. So then you've got to pretend you've got these different animals. So you need an opening line. So if you visualize my hand, you need yep. an opening line that's a guaranteed yes question. So if I said to you, would you like to have 5% more success in some area in your life? Yes. What's the answer going to be? Yes. Okay. So it doesn't matter what animal you were, you're going to say yes. Yep. And 99% of my audience are going to say yes. So I've grabbed all four animals' attention. Then I'm going to share three or four different stories, which will grab the dolphins because I'll do something a little bit nice. I'll be in your face for the lions. I'll be a bit crazy for the monkeys. And there'll be some information for the elephants. Not too much because I'm not, that's my, my nemesis animal. Yeah. And then I'm going to close with something that all four animals are going to understand. It might be a quote. I've got a funny video with two tortoises or a self-deprecating joke. So I'm going to grab all the animals on the first line. I'm going to share some stories that the three or four different animals not all of them, because at some point you're not going to hit every single person. And then I'm going to close with something they're all going to enjoy. Now, if you can master that, you're nearly going to be a very good speaker and then get paid good money. Yeah. If you share scientific papers to an audience and 75% of the audience have not got a clue about neuroscience and the diversity of the Mental Health Wellbeing Act of 1972, you're going to lose 75% within minutes. And yeah. your facts might be correct and it might be brilliant. But if I started teaching you the history of the Ukraine-Russian war and the understanding of Putin and understanding why he did the invasion just after the Chinese Winter Olympics, I'm going to lose half the audience. And it's yeah. brilliant stuff I'm sharing, but you're going to lose people. Yeah. So you've got to think what's going to attract your audience to like your story. And notice they don't have to like me they have to enjoy the process. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's so valuable. And I think one of the best things that I captured from that is the fact that it's putting the attention off you as a speaker and actually putting all the attention onto what the audience wants, needs, desires. Because for a lot of my audience who have a bit of a fear of public speaking, they're too busy focused on what they look like, what they sound like, what they're going to come across as. Um, well, I'll give you an example. Do you know what I'm thinking right now? No, I don't. Okay. So when you're speaking, you're so worried what the audience are thinking. They're not thinking that. They're either thinking, mm. when's lunch? Yeah. Is there going to be a tea break? And I need to pee. Um, <laughs> most of my audiences, when I do Zoom, are thinking, how much chocolate does he eat? So <laughs> yeah. they're not thinking, have I got exactly every word right? I have done, you're going to like this, 3,000 paid professional speeches. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've never done a perfect speech. Yeah. Ever. Important. So if I was to, I mean, I, a lot of my stuff is video. 
and I get a chance with my team to look at some of them. I have never, ever, ever done a perfect speech. I've done some brilliant speeches, some phenomenal speeches, some shite ones, by the way, but I've never done a perfect speech. And the problem is lots of new speakers think they're going to be perfect. What they want to strive for is what I call excellence. Yeah. You are going to misjudge by 5% of of your audience. Yeah. But if I can get 95% of my audience thinking I'm pretty good, that's all right. The problem is if you strive for 100%, you're going to lose a lot of your audience. Yeah, make, makes complete sense. And, and just on that point, I guess for those speakers wanting to start and and they're waiting for perfect, um, would you advise to be just get started, just find that first speaking gig? Okay, I'm going to repeat my stuff here. Yeah. I've done 3,000 pages <laughs> yeah. and I've never done a perfect speech. Yeah. So if I had have waited for perfection, this mm. is my 25th year in September. It'll be my 25th year as a professional speaker, and I've never done a perfect speech. Yeah. So they'll be waiting oh. forever. Yeah. yeah. And I've got to tell you, there are people who think that, you know, if they just do one more practice, or if they do the mirror exercise, or they do it, just do it. So the phrase I use is, you're like this, ready, fire, aim. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes yeah. you just got to go for it. So I do a deeper quote, which says, you cannot aim a duck to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At some point, you just got to do your speech. Now, the advantage is when you do a live speech to a live audience, not your family, you're just going to be on the spot and you're going to deliver. Yeah. And I promise you, if you let go of perfection, you're going to be a lot better than you think. Now, let me give you a caveat for that, if you don't mind. If you asked me to speak on nuclear physics this afternoon, I'd be terrible at it because I know nothing about it. However much I practice, I don't know about it. If you ask me about leadership, communication, motivation, goal setting, there's a good chance I'm going to know 50% at least more than the audience. Yeah. I might know 70% more. Still, someone said 100% more. So you've got to start thinking if you're a new speaker, what subject are you passionate about? What subject do you love? What subject are you not bored about? I've got certain videos in my speech that I've played for 20 years mm. and I still laugh at them. Yeah. They're funny. <laughs> if you don't love your speech, don't deliver it because it yeah. will come across. Yeah, yeah, it makes complete sense. So, so we talked about the 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 individual, the new speaker, finding their lane, I guess, or finding that topic they want to talk about. What What's the first place they should deliver that talk? Should it be online? Should it be to a small audience? Where okay, so that's, again, a brilliant question. I will tell you now that online is totally different mm. to live. Yeah. And when I, so I did two live presentations yesterday morning, okay? F- forget that I got booked again within minutes. Mm-hmm. Forget that two of the audience members within seconds asked me about dates can I do. Wow. But that wouldn't have happened the same way online. Of course. I also need to touch, feel, feel the energy, breathe with the audience. Otherwise, I might as well video it in advance and just send it. So if, if you'd have sent me the questions in advance, I could have answered the question and sent this video to you and said, right, what I think you should do to be a speaker is X. And I promise you, you wouldn't have got the same energy from me. No, I understand. And I've done 190 Zoom presentations in the last two years, but I had never done a Zoom presentation before April 2020, ever. So mm. I'd never done online before when people had begun to start doing it. Because my passion is being with people. I suggest you ask any of your friends, any of your friends that work in a company, 
can you do what I call a brown bag, which is an American phrase, for a lunchtime session? Yes. As what I call, get ready for this, a showcase. Yeah. You never want to do it for free, okay? Mm -hmm. The minute you say free, you feel cheap. Yeah. So it's going to be a showcase event where you want 20 people from any organization and you want to share for 30 minutes your best stuff. Now, when you see someone like Michael McIntyre, I don't know, have you ever seen Michael McIntyre? Not live, but I've seen him on TV, obviously. Okay. When you see him on TV, Mm -hmm. he has done a hundred plus small shows all up and down the country. So I followed Lee Evans Mm -hmm. about... Just before the pandemic, I was speaking in the middle of a place called St. Asaph in North Wales. And on the floor on the stage was Lee Evans' notes. Yes. So he was doing this venue in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Trust me on this. Yeah. Because before he goes to Wembley Arena, he wants to practice his live event. He will have messed up, missed lines, all the rest. So when he's at something like Wembley in front of 15,000 people, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, Michael McIntyre, I live in North London. Michael McIntyre did the Radlitz Conference Centre in front of 500 people. Mm. And he was shocking. Yeah. But it was okay because he was doing it. But live, he wasn't doing it in front of five friends. He wanted to perform. So you've got to put yourself out there as a new speaker and think that if Lee Evans and Michael McIntyre, who are some of the biggest comedians literally in the world, are still practising... They don't just appear at Wembley and just nail it. Yes, understand. Yeah. The problem yeah. is they look at professional speakers who've got some of these signature stories and think, well, they're just brilliant. Mm. I'm now 25 years on, and I won't introduce a new story unless I've practiced that story on small audiences or lower feed gigs. But I'm telling the audience, right, I'm going to try a couple of stories out. And they may not work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so to just get get started, and I think doing it on Zoom or on webinar might be another avoidance tactic to not having to be in front of real people, and and maybe just find that first audience, even if it's twenty people, and just just get started. And also, what I mean, I'm going to do something a bit weird now. Mm. That if I do this and you can't see me, which is what happens with certain audience members, yeah. it's really hard to connect. Yep. Now I'm back live and you're seeing me. It's a different energy. It is. So you've got. So anybody who's listening to this recognize Lee Evans, Michael McIntyre. I'm going to put myself in the same category. I wasn't I, I wasn't as good as I was when I started, and I'm still getting better. Yeah. There was never a winner who wasn't a beginner. Yes. A bit, a bit cheesy. Yeah. You don't, you know, the average football player at 17 isn't playing in the World Cup in Qatar at the end of the year. He's going through some of the stages, and even when you're at Man United, you sometimes get moved to another club to get practice whilst you're trying to get your team. They get Absolutely. Moved. Yeah. They get, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. They get, um, I'll think of the word in a minute. See, as I speak, I can't even think of the word. They get moved about, yeah, but um, it's a journey is what you're trying to say. You know, yeah. you, you, but you, you're not going to be perfect. Mm. And I'm going to teach you a new word here. How do you mm. spell enjoy? E-N-J-O-Y. Yeah, I spell it I-N-J-O-Y. I'm in joy when I'm doing live work. Yes. And it shows in my face. Yeah. If you're not in joy with your speech, don't deliver it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're going to be a bit nervous. And if you want to have some notes and, you know, you've got a couple of cards in front of you, it's okay just to quickly look at them and say, I've got a couple of points I want to share. 
put your notes down or have a lectern or have a table. I said, Michael McIntyre and Lee Evans have notes all on the floor <laughs> until yeah. they've done it a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really, really valuable. And I think I've seen on your, your website, you've done a little bit of virtual, well, probably a lot, quite a lot of virtual speaking as well. And my question is, do you think that it's going to move towards hybrid events or are we going to go back to in-person? Where's the okay. direction of travel? So for 20 years, I've been told there's going to be holograms. Yeah. Virtual is the way forward. I'm telling you now, the advantage that I, I did Specsavers in Australia mm-hmm. online. Yeah. At the same fee that I got paid when I went there. Okay. Yes. So the beauty for them was they weren't paying travel and all the mm-hmm. rest. I was up at six o'clock in the morning and I went back to bed at 7.15. Yeah. But I'm telling you now, the feedback I got when I did it live was 10 times better than doing it virtual, yeah. even though I was good. Yes. And so I had lots of feedback. I said, can't believe how much energy you've got online. You really come across well. But I know deep down, because when we finish this interview, what's going to happen is you're going to press end. Okay. And my heart's going to sink. If I was at a live event, I'd chat with you over lunch. I'd mm-hmm. have a chat with you. I'd feel the energy. I'd get some proper feedback, yeah. et cetera. And I probably, you might invite me to speak again. That doesn't happen the same way online. I understand, yeah. Because it closed down the program. So there's nothing wrong with doing hybrid events. I don't think the world is going to say we're never doing it. But if you've got 60 countries, and I've done some massive worldwide conferences mm-hmm. where there's 60 different countries, the idea that some countries don't have to come all the way for a two-hour meeting, I think is going to happen. Yes. But national UK conferences, you know, the National Association of Roof Makers, mm-hmm. they're going to want people in the room. Yes, yeah, yeah, completely makes sense. And and I think, like you said, that, that feeling of energy in the room is, is so important when it comes to speaking. Um, one last question, because we didn't pick up on this. Um, a lot of speakers get to a certain point in their career where they figured out how to speak they can deliver a great presentation but they're not yet getting paid to do that because there's a little bit of a jump so how do you get paid to speak i guess is the question okay so here's an interesting fact you'll get paid when you say to somebody these are my fees mm. but one of the questions you want to ask an audience are i have you used a professional paid speaker in the past okay yeah yeah now if they say no then that you're going to have to educate them about your fees. Yeah. If they have, the next question to ask is, you're clever, is who have you used? Mm. Now, I, I forgot to ask that question with a major bank, and they had used a speaker who charged £35,000 before. Wow. Yeah. And I charged nine and a half. Mm-hmm. If I had have known who they charged, they'd used, my fee may have been double. Yes. So I got in my own way. Yeah. Sometimes, if you ask better questions, you get better answers. Yes. If they've never used a, a paid professional speaker, so I've done some work with nurses before, where I'm in a room in a hospital where there are plastic cups at the back of the room, and the only expense is me. Mm. I've been yeah. at other conferences where it's a conference of three days, multi pharmaceutical. They're spending a million plus on yeah. this event. My yeah. fee is the material. Yeah. So it's about judging your audience and having what I call fee integrity which is maybe a subject we'll come back to next year when you invite me back. Listen to my language when you invite when me you, back. Yeah. Does that make sense? So does. at some point, you've got to say this line. I'm a professional speaker. These are my fees. But what happens, people go, uh, yeah, if you just pay me some expenses, uh, that will be fine. Hmm. Yeah. Well, then, then you're, that's, I mean, I don't want a plastic cup on stage, which is one non-paid speakers get. 
Yeah, I that makes sense. I want Diet Coke, a bar of Cadbury's chocolate, and these are my fees. I yeah. don't always get my whole fee, mm-hmm. but then I have another whole program about what my negotiations are. So they, they're expected to pay expenses. They're expected to buy some books. And here's a tip for everyone. Start writing now. Don't wait four years to write a book. Start yes. writing, journalizing. Start doing articles on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. All that stuff is part of your marketing. Don't wait too long. The yeah. seven tips old. Seven ways to be more effective in the workplace. Whatever it might be, books are a great business card. So I give lots of books out to people as a business card. And 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 by just saying, you know, best-selling author or author of X book, it just gives you that extra credibility as well. All about credibility. Yeah. But they then feel very comfortable that you've got a book. But yeah. make sure your book is good. Yeah, of course, yeah. Brilliant. Well, Nigel, thank you so much. I've talked to you all day. Um, but... <laughs> Thank you so much for the value. I think the next question from me, which is really important, is if somebody wants to book you as a speaker or connect with you online, where would they go? Go to my website, which is nigelrisner.com. Yeah. And make sure your website's easy for people to find. Don't do some elevate speaker hyperlink underneath. I'm the champion, etc. On LinkedIn, Nigel Risner, on Instagram, on Facebook. Just go to nigelrisner.com. Uh, there's a quiz to find out which animal you are. Mm-hmm. We don't even ask for your details. Just go, have a quick look. I love that. Quiz. Uh, we've got books on there. If you put in Pivot, P-I-V-O-T, there's a discount. I don't know how, what it is. I'm a monkey, but there's some discount. But thank you for allowing me to be part of your webinar, your 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 whatever this is, because I've forgotten what we call it. Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, I knew I'd get there in the end. And if I can support anyone, just ask. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nigel. And what I'll do as well is I'll post all of those links in the show notes so people can just click and connect with you straight away brilliant have fun have a fantastic weekend 